When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Rolling along Tuesday edition of Light the Tower. Craig on his way to the Big 12 tournament. It's Jeff Outs, Cameron Parker, taking you up to noon when we pass the baton to Chad and Zay for their midday show. Specs text line is open 337-3776. Thank you, Stoner, when I was talking about Oregon State and their horrible non-conference treatment schedule. Stoner did uh, chime in with it. Uh, maybe I was a said I'm always hard on the Beavers. So in that case, it was necessary to do that stoner so um a lot of comments on feedback on birds uh baseball up 2-0 on birds so far this year cam so that's an interesting scoreboard i don't know if you want to keep track of that back there in the control room or not bad bad season to be a bird in the baseball park it's rough it's rough hey we've uh we kind of got to make this segment short just to get back on the clock here we'll talk a little inside a little inside baseball terms uh but cam i did want to ask you you know, being a fan of the Dallas football Cowboys, I want to, and, and you're part of that new generation of Cowboys fans that you have no idea that this franchise was rattling off appearances in NFC yep. Championship games and winning Super Bowls at one point in time. And the topic that I wanted to discuss, I started. It's weird how you know they're everywhere you look right now. Everybody's talking about the potential of LeBron retiring because. Did you watch that press conference last night? His post game press conference. I did. It's yeah, it's a little bit weird, right? Yeah, actually, uh, we're giving my buddies some crap for it because he texted, he's a big LeBron fan, and he was like, if LeBron retires, I don't think I could watch basketball anymore. And I was like, eh, he just got swept, he wanted to change the conversation, so I think he's just kind of, it's just a fake story. He's not going to retire. Yeah. Um, so I started thinking about this, and, and it's weird. I started thinking about retirements and athletes, you know, when, when your bodies start breaking down, right? And, and I, I thought about, you know, like we saw Kobe at the end, right? When... I forgot until I, I stumbled upon it the other day, like how many surgeries Kobe had, just knee surgeries. He had the Achilles deal. Yeah. We've, we've seen Tiger go through it. Oh, yeah. Tiger's body has, has let him down. Uh, my all-time favorite baseball player, Ken Griffey Jr., his body let him down late in his career. Like LeBron and, and Tom Brady are the two that jumped to mind quickly that you know that we know of. Their bodies their bodies wasn't the reason why they, they left. Yeah. And then we'll see if LeBron retires. But Tom Brady – uh, you know, we didn't. It wasn't the physical stuff with Brady in terms of just injuries mounting up and surgeries and all that stuff. So it's funny that I was in that mindset and I stumbled upon this this morning. I'm a big fan of Bob Stern from the Ticket in Dallas, also writes for the Athletic, and he's working on a piece on Tyron Smith. And basically, he went he went through and picked apart all of Tyron Smith's snaps last year. According to Bob, if you include the postseason, it was 401 snaps the Cowboys got out of Tyron Smith. 
and you can see stuff where he's really productive, and, and there's only a handful of times where he's getting beat. But, Cam, I just don't know where you are on Tyron Smith as a Cowboys fan because I'm just looking at just regular season numbers uh, in terms of games played, and you took for granted. Really, you, I think as a Cowboys fan, I know I did. You, you took for granted just how good he was for how long he's been good. These are uh, Tyron Smith's games played from 2011 through 2019. 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, 13, 13, 13, 13. Double-digit games. It, but when you get to the last three years in a regular season, he's only played 17 games in the regular season in the last three years because of injuries. But when you see Tyron Smith on the field, he's still really good. The problem is the when he's on the field part, and you look at him and you say, well, he's only 32, but you got to remember how young he was when he came into the league. That's a, that's a 32 that's got some a lot of tread off the tires. So I just don't know, Kim, where you're at as a Cowboys fan on Tyron Smith. And and I was thinking about it, like, because football, football's not like basketball. You can't you can't really have load management days in the NFL. No. You're, you're either there or you're not, right? I just don't know where you come out on Tyron Smith because when I think about this Cowboys offensive line, the, the Tyler Smith pick has gone much better than I thought it would. And you look at filling that thing out around Zach Martin and Biotis and the other pieces they've got, and they're still having to count on Tyron Smith. It's just a matter of, man, if he's healthy, he's still really good. It's just you have no idea where his body's going to take him at this point. The Cowboys offense, and this is the fact, the Cowboys offense is better when Tyron Smith is on the football field. We saw no last doubt. year with the offensive line and uh, Jason Peters, who's made of ice, You know, he was playing a big role in that because of, well, Tyron Smith just couldn't stay healthy. And that's the thing. You know every year, it's kind of like Chris Paul. It's like, okay, when is the big injury coming where he's going to miss probably – two or three weeks, yeah. and I was kind of hopeful that the Tyler Smith pick was supposed to end up replacing Tyron Smith, but now Tyler Smith's going to be the starting left tackle. I think Smith's moving to what, left, or sorry, left tackle. Tyler Smith will be starting left guard. Excuse me, got this switched up. Yeah. So I thought Cowboys would probably address that this last draft. They didn't. They went with offensive, uh, defensive line, which was a, a much-needed pick, and the kid out of Michigan um, added some other key pieces, but it feels like they got to start thinking about his replacement, again, possibly next season because, I mean, talk about the miles on him. I mean, he's had an incredible career for how banged up he's been throughout it. So Dallas, you know, you got to plan for the future and just hope he can, you know, he can stay healthy. But the old line, as it has been the last few years, it's just I, I worry about how it will hold up over the course of, you know, an 18-game season now plus the playoffs if Dallas can get back there. Yeah, I uh... – like I said, I was just looking at, at his numbers and the the seventeen games over the last three years. It's it's just not kinda, good. No, it's not good at all. And that you know, it's it's interesting though. Like the kind of the gift and the curse there, right? Is the Cowboys found out that hey, a guy like Terrence Steele is a pretty big piece of this because he might not be a starter, but dude, there's gonna be. It was huge last year. Anywhere from six to ten games where you might need Tyron Steele to be a starter. You know, Tyron, when healthy, is still going to be out there. And, again, you know, the film doesn't lie. He's still really good. Uh, it's not like you're just seeing Tyron Smith on where his play has declined, and that's kind of the frustrating thing is, like I said, still good, just it can't stay healthy. So, I don't know. I'll, I just wanted to talk some Cowboys real quick. It, it, it's it, it's, a, it's a one of those deals where they really didn't address the offensive line in the offseason. 
through free agency, really, or the draft. Like they, they kind of hoped they would. I think the, the linemen just didn't fall their way in the draft, and you know, free agency is a crapshoot anyway. Uh, they're still going to need the way they're currently constructed. They're going to need, and then really, it's kind of the go with God plan. You just really got to hope Tyron Smith is healthy for a decent number of games. You know who else um, they don't have going into next year? A place kicker. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, no kicker. I mean, uh, what's his, the special teams coach said that anyone Bones, mo- Bones anyone Foster. on planet Earth could take the kicking job next year? That's that's not great for a Cowboys team that's been having kicking issues since the last yeah, year of say, Captain you, Dan Bailey. You saw Brett Maher in oh, that playoff my. game, right? God, if not for the Bucks being just a, a poor football team, Dallas probably should have lost that game Man. at certain points. While I was watching the game, and I don't, I'm not turning this political, I'm just saying this, this text, I, I this tweet, I laugh. I just was rolling laughing. Uh, I saw a tweet come in from Governor Abbott dur- during that Cowboys Bucks game, where he said from his personal account, he said, "I'm pretty sure I could be a better option for kicker <laughs> with the Cowboys." I'm like, "Damn, man!" When when Brett Maher is catching strays from the governor, that's uh, that's pretty rough, man. That's a, that's a rough day. But you know, Cam, if only, if only during the leading up to the twenty twenty two in the twenty twenty two draft process, if only there were a kicker, a Division one kicker who was one of the most prolific scorers in his program's history, oh, that happened to be a couple hours south of you. you if only here. there was that guy available that you could have gone after. Yep. I think we've seen Cameron Dickers turn out to be a pretty good kicker in the National Football League. And he was he was a free agent after uh, Philadelphia let him go because their kicker came back and he was healthy and Dallas had a, had a couple chances to pick him up. Nope. Ends up at the Chargers. He won how many special team player of the week awards? I know he had the one miss in the, in the playoff game, but besides that, Dickers set records for most consecutive field goals made as a rookie. In Dallas, meanwhile, their kicker this year is some guy named Tristan Fizcano. One kicker on the roster right now. I don't even know who that is. I probably just said his last name wrong. <laughs> it, it's it's not good. It's going to come down in week two or week three, whatever, whenever Dallas plays Green Bay again. And it's like Dallas is driving. They're down by two points. Do you trust your kicker to come in? And the answer is probably going to be no. And, you know, we've seen Mike McCarthy's clock management uh We've seen way too many examples of how that can just explode right in your face. A lot, a lot of pressure will be on Sark in his third year. I think there's so much more McCarthy because with with Dan Quinn at DC, and you know how Jerry feels about Dan Quinn. If this team does not make it at least to the NFC Championship, unless a major injury happens to Dak Prescott, I would be shocked if Mike McCarthy is a Dallas Cowboys head football coach. In 2020, when you when you take that step of now you're going to be the play caller, yeah, and you can't. Uh, that's the last resort, right? Yeah, Keller, you you don't have Kellen Moore to blame anymore. Like you can't. There's no fall guy, right? It's all on you. Maybe and, he can use the Tom Herman. It's a collaborative effort excuse, <laughs> dude. If I hear that one more time, I'm gonna just put my face in a vice and crank it until I hear something pop. Um, but no. You know, they they, they could have got Cameron Dicker a couple of times. They could have signed him as an undrafted free agent. They could have signed him after the Chargers cut him. They could have signed him after the Eagles cut him. So, But, no, they just kicked the can down the road. And to, to get back to your point, Cam, about Mike McCarthy being under more pressure than Steve Sarkeesian, which, by the way, I don't know of one state where, like, the flagship university and the pro team where there's ever more pressure every year on both head coaches like there is in the state of Texas with the head coach of the Cowboys, whoever it is, and the head coach at Texas, whoever it is. But I trust Burt Auburn a hell of a lot more than yeah. I trust 
anybody that the Cowboys are going to trot out there in the preseason. Is Nick Rose still available? He made some kicks for the Washington football team a few times. He did, yeah. Nick Rose had him a cup of coffee in the league. Uh, but I don't, man, I, I trust. PFT commentator, he was a kicker in the <laughs> XFL. I trust Will Stone more than I trust anybody Honestly. that the Cowboys are going to run out there. Seriously, because I don't Who'd you say their kicker is right now they got on the roster? Uh, Tristan Fiscano. I don't even know who that is. He last played. He's been his player history, which shows you how many times you've been waived. Uh, it's longer than the Constitution, so that's not a great. So basically, sign. he's got more transactions than he has field goal attempts in his career. Yes, yes, that's, that's for sure. So, so he's very played comforting. for looks looks like twelve teams, and he's been in the league for two years. That's a lot. That's kind of the life of a kicker. Yep. You know, like when we had uh, when we had Hank Carter on a couple times last year, he was talking about just kind of how rough it was for for Cameron Dicker. Just kind of you're just kind of hanging out and working out until you get a phone call and you may get a tryout and that might be it. And then you're you're back at home and just waiting, kind of sitting around waiting for that phone to ring. Yeah, pretty much. I just didn't know where you were on the Tyron Smith thing. If you if you think can't Tyron, if you, am I wrong to say Tyron Smith is still productive? Oh, I think he is 100%. I just worry about how healthy will he be. Yeah. I, I just I, He's not going to make it through an entire season without being injured. It's going to happen, especially with all the miles on him. And you just you hope and pray that everyone stays healthy. But we saw last year, Terrence Steele went down, Tyron Smith went down, the offensive line was a mess. And for Dak Prescott, the quarterback who he is, I love Dak. He needs to, be, he needs to have a great O-line with him. The best years Dak has had was when the O-line – was healthy and was a strength of the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, don't think it really was a strength. And going to this year, if everyone stays healthy, it, it it can be a strength with how Tyler Smith has come along. You have Tyron Smith there on the left side. You have Terrence Steele looks good. Uh, beyond it's still a question mark. But, Jeff, if one guy go, goes down, who are you relying on? Josh Ball, who's your swing tackle, who at times last year was, uh? Yeah. Matt Farniok? I mean, it's. Uh, it sounds like Farniok's going to play a bigger role. He's going to have to. Someone's yeah. going to have to step up this. Next Maybe year. Farniok probably is going to be in that Connor McGovern role. I think most likely as like a your number three guard. He's gone. Remember slash yeah your number three guard slash kind of your move guy yeah. as your short, you know, short yardage jumbo fullback or whatever. And McGovern wasn't bad in that role. But he, got, he got overpaid for sure. I told you, man. I they 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 bet on the wrong Connor. Yeah, the Cowboys didn't. Yeah, we'll let Williams walk and keep McGovern. Now you don't have either. You went from yeah. having two Connors to no Connors. Yep. So that's like I did. I did. Thank you, folks, on the Specs text line. See, we don't get a lot of breaking news, and good luck getting anything from the Screaming People shows on the bottom line because it's just it's nothing but LeBron's potential retirement. Maybe we don't really know. The Broncos released Brandon McManus. So if I'm okay. the Cowboys, I'm on. This came down about 45 minutes ago. If I'm the Cowboys, I was calling Brandon McManus's agent 44 minutes ago. Yeah, trying to set something up. At least, at least get a tryout in. I mean, you're kicking. I mean, he kicking at um in Denver. I've heard that's one of the toughest places to kick at besides Baltimore, and because you have the elevation, you're higher up, outdoors. Sure. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, kicking indoors on a turf field should be super easy, super simple. For kickers, but for some reason, it, it hasn't been the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, this texture says uh, lots of good kickers out there. Nobody really knows uh, That's true. Yeah. who the up and coming kickers are. Sounds like you're stressed about nothing. No, I just, I'm a Cowboys fan and I watched Brett Maher in that playoff yeah. game. 
game. And plus, like we've seen Mike McCarthy's clock management, there's a reason why it looks like an abject disaster. It's like just everybody running around like their heads are on fire because you don't have a kicker that you trust. So I don't know. Maybe this McManus thing, maybe this could work out for the Cowboys. Who knows? We'll see. I, I hope something, anything they do is better than what they have right now, and I have a hard time believing that they would stand pat. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, I want to – we're in our Flex update. Cam, you got anything for the Flex? Of course. Okay. I've also got something on my alma mater. Yeah, I'm mm. a high school alma mater. i got something for the Flex update. And second-hour Longhorn Notebook. We'll get to those things when we come back. On Light the Tower, on the Horn, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like the Tower with Craig Webb and Jeff Howe. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now some of you might still be in that place. He's trying to get out. Just to wrap up what we were talking about last segment about the Cowboys. I am worried because I want Cowboys fans like Cam to understand what it's like to follow this team when they're actually irrelevant and winning something of substance. I want, you, I want you to know what that feeling is like. Like Brad Kellner's another Cowboys fan like that. Tyrus Henderson is another one. I want you guys to understand what it feels like to watch the Dallas. At least watch them in an NFC championship game. What year were you born, Cam? 97. So the year before was you the were, last you time. Were not, you were not roaming this earth the last time no. the Dallas football Cowboys played in an NFC championship game. It's wild to think about that there was a time when Jerry Jones wasn't inept. Well, that was basically when he had somebody like Jimmy Johnson to tell him, hey, you shut your mouth and stick to, you stick to business, I'll stick to football. And then he fired him, and then it uh, went all downhill from there. Until they hired Bill Parcells. How long was he Dallas Cowboys coach? Parcells, 03 to 06. And then Jason Garrett stepped then in, it was, right? Well, then it was, no, Wade, no. then it was Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, and no. then it was Jason Garrett. And it was Garrett. Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yep. Uh, I lived through the Dave Campo years and uh, some of those Chan Gailey years. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Then you had just the Barry Switzer years, which were just a circus. So. <laughs> but I want you to know what good Cowboys football is like, Cam. That's why I worry about things like kicker and Tyron Smith's health and whatnot. All right. Well, that's enough of the Cowboys. Let's, uh, let's get it local. Let's go to the Flex. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Cam, you got anything for Flex? Nothing big. Uh, tomorrow night. Flex ATX Wednesday show. Uh, me and Nolan Holgan are going to have some good guests on 7 p.m. 104.9 The Horn right here. If you miss it, Flex ATX podcast, The Horn podcast. So, yeah, make sure to stop by and get your weekly dose of the Flex. There you go. Uh, I've, I've got one Flex update. I mentioned my alma mater. Uh, I, we had the news a couple of weeks ago that uh, Drew Bridges, the head football coach of Florence, had resigned to take a job elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Florence, I'm told, 
oh. down, down to their last three, their top three candidates. Okay. And I'm told the last of those interviews is being done today. So my alma mater should have a head football coach here in the next week to ten days. Exciting. Yeah. Coaching carousel almost over with in the high school football level. But Just it's it's gone pretty far into this season. I mean, usually, you know, compared to the professional sports where it's when a season ends, usually everything's, you know, been uh, tied down within the few couple, first couple of weeks. High school football, it's it's never ending. Yeah. Um, especially like when you when you're trying to find you're trying to fill a vacancy this late. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's really tough because now you got a lot of you know, coaches, especially if you're hiring, you know, coaches from the state of Texas. A lot of those those people have signed contracts, their contracts already, and now you've got to look at okay, do we sell a house here? Do we pick up and move, or do we want to move? What kind of schools are? If you got kids, you got to consider that too. So it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of moving parts. But again, Florence is what I've been told down to their top three candidates and. The final interview for the top three is being conducted today. So I'll uh, I'll pass along anything else I hear leading up to and including the hiring. So that's going to do it for the Flex. Let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, just uh, going over the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. I went there during the break. Um, and somebody asked about Caleb Love, the North Carolina transfer. What are the chances he goes to Texas? It's to be determined on that. I do know Texas, like we talked about yesterday, Texas is pushing hard for Caleb Love at this point. Uh, Cam Spencer from Rutgers. who the, the intriguing thing about Caleb Love is he could potentially be a two-year player for you. Cam Spencer would be a grad transfer. Uh, they're still going to recruit Tyron Lawrence from Vanderbilt. I, I do think, depending on who you talk to, there's a, there's a growing feeling that his decision is going to come down to either going back to Vanderbilt or staying in the, in the draft, one of the two. So that's reading the tea leaves. That's kind of what I gather. So Texas is still going to recruit him, but those are kind of the three top guys. And then we mentioned, like, man, if and when Arthur Kaluma pulls his name out of the draft and he's in the transfer portal, uh, that would be a guy that I think Texas would be all over. I have every in, every reason to believe they would be all over him. Just being able to slide him into that Timmy Allen role I think would be really nice for this program. So but we'll keep you updated on Texas basketball uh, as uh, it's starting to wind down now. The uh, draft deadline to pull your name out of the draft and retain your college eligibility, that's next Wednesday, a yep. week from tomorrow. 31st, right? Yep, got until the 31st. So that's Dylan Mitchell, too. And I, I'm expecting at this point Dylan Mitchell to stay in the draft. I'm expecting that. That doesn't mean it's completely out of the question that he comes back to Texas. But that's I'm under the impression that that's kind of where things are trending right now, that he's more likely to stay in the draft than the he is CAA to come back to Texas. Twitter account, you know, the agency, did you see that tweet they I put did. Out? So here's the deal. I, I looked into that because I think everybody initially jumped to conclusions. Well, he signed with an agent. He's gone. You can sign with representation. Okay. And still maintain your eligibility. There's just certain things that the agency can pay for that, you know, they, they can pay for for you. That There's some things you have to pay back. There's some things they can't pay for. It's a, it's a list of stuff. But, yes, you can have representation and still be eligible to come back to college. Okay. So that's the same thing. I mean, uh, the NCAA, it's funny. The NCAA is not going to call them agents. They're going to call them advisors. You can have somebody mm. advising you. Mm. Uh, you know, David Mulligetto is one of the super agents in the National Football League. Uh, David Mulligetto was Bijan Robinson's advisor. So even though Bijan ended up signing with Clutch Sports, just by the way, did you see the pictures from? Everyone's like, well, was Bijan? Bijan's been in a bunch of these Lakers games. So two things: he's in. Uh, he's been in L.A. for the Panini rookie premiere. It's where they do the photo shoots for all the football cards and everything. So he's been out there doing stuff with Panini. And people are like, well, and he's hanging out with Adele. You forget, Bijan signed with Clutch Sports. Mm-hmm. 
which Rich Paul is over Clutch Sports. Rich Paul is dating Adele, which is where that Who looks really good, by the way. I do not disagree with you at all. Agree with you 100% there, Cam. Uh, Cam, I want to get your take on this because I'm just I'm flabbergasted, man. I, I was looking at uh, Athlon Sports has released their uh, all the preseason All American teams. Dylan Gabriel number one again. And their preseason All Big Twelve teams. Well, they, well, then I guess there's two things. I wasn't going to get the quarterback, but they they have a first, second, uh, third, and fourth team. Fourteen Good for all Lord. conference. Yeah, that's a little that's overkill, but you know, it's Athlon's doing content. Their thing. I'm not one to judge. Uh, their first team quarterback is Jalen Daniels at Kansas. I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that, and and I think he is the most important player to his team. Yeah, you take Jalen Daniels true. off of Kansas, they're more likely just plain old Kansas. Jalen Daniels healthy, full go. Kansas is a different team. Dylan Gabriel is their second team quarterback. Quinn Ewers is their third team quarterback. Hmm. I don't know that I'd agree with that. I mean, Dylan Gabriel when he was healthy last year was good, but you could say. The same thing about Quinn Ewers. Maybe Quinn struggled a little bit more, but if you're projecting out, I don't know. The, it, to me, I don't know if I'm projecting out. I just think the ceiling. I don't think I know the ceiling with Quinn Ewers is higher than it is for Dylan Gabriel. Or, or people just looking at what he did when healthy in that Jeff Levy offense. I think for Gabriel, it's still that hype from his first couple years at UCF, where you saw what he could do, right? And that's kind of the expectation at Oklahoma. But I think Quinn Ewers has a much higher ceiling. But, you know, I'm not sure. I doubt Quinn is looking at the Athlon Sports. Uh, I don't think I would. But think I, Quinn I'm would fine care. with that because he's, he has something to prove and he knows that. And so that's what I'm counting on this season for Quinn Ewers in the next of his development. Jalen Daniels, I think you could argue he was the most exciting player in the Big 12 last year at quarterback wise. Uh, I think Bijan's the most <laughs> exciting player. But quarterback wise, he was, he was the most fun to watch, I think, the entire season. Now, do I think he's the best quarterback? I would lean towards Quinn, but you know I think that's because of Quinn's potential. Dylan Gabriel, I mean, yeah, the UCF years, but playing a different conference, I mean, we kind of know what his ceiling is for Quinn. I don't think we know what his ceiling is, right? We don't yeah. know. And even for Jalen Daniels, like, can he redo what he did last year? It, it would be tough. Depends on if he's healthy or not, but... You know, it's just preseason rankings, Jeff, so I'm not going to get too worked up over it. It's good it. fodder for us to talk about when yeah. there's nothing else to talk about right now. But other than that, it's it, it, you know, take it for whatever you feel it's worth. I, I'll tell you this with Kansas, though. I love their OC, man. And, and, and you know, Texas, Texas with Sark, Rod said this, and I agree with him. Like, Texas fans have an offense that they actually like and a play caller that they actually like and feel mm-hmm. like can be competent and do a good job, which very rarely happens as long as I've been following this program. It's never really happened, to be honest with you. Uh, but So I'm not saying that I would trade offensive coordinators if you're a Texas fan. I'm not saying you should want to trade offensive coordinators. But, man, I, I just, I'm just i a huge fan of what Andy Kotelnicki does at Kansas. Just yeah. The way they mix it up with formations and personnel groupings and motions and different play actions and mesh point actions, I, I just think Andy Kotelnicki is phenomenal. And then your fourth-team quarterback – uh, preseason All Big Twelve, according to Athlon Sports, is will don't call me anymore. Spill the pill, Howard, uh, leading K State. So that's another team that's going to be interesting to watch. We talk about Texas and, and Quinn needing to take a step to compensate for not having Bijan and Roshan. Dude, will Howard's going to take a step forward? You got to compensate with no more Deuce Vaughn at K State. And he was such a big part, not just with the run game, man, with the pass game and everything else he brought to the table. Deuce Vaughn was a huge part of what K State did. So yeah, I mean, I. I'm with you, Cam. I would probably lean more Quinn over Dylan Gabriel, but it's a preseason rankings. It probably doesn't mean all that much. I'll say this, though. 
we talked about this last week, and we played the cut from Sark from the uh, te- Texas uh, Texas Fight Tour stop in Houston. I'm just so intrigued by Quinn taking that next step that quarterbacks that Sark said his second year quarterbacks do, where now you're learning to come off reads, you're learning to anticipate, you're able to f- work through pre snap better, you're able to work through post snap better. Uh, you know, you're you're able to get the ball where it's supposed to go. It's not just come off the first read and then panic and then you know whatever. Uh, learning to be an athlete, learning to scramble, just Quinn making those strides. If he does, I think there's no question this offense can be one of the best in the country, especially with the talent you've got at a wide receiver, and you've got one of the best tight ends in the country in Jatavian Sanders. But I want to talk about the most underrated guy on this Texas team, I think by far. you got to go down, Cam, all the way to third team all Big 12. And again, in this Athlon Sports preseason uh, all Big 12 team, you got to go all the way down to the third team defense before you see Jade Barron pop up. Ooh. And if that's going to be the case with all these preseason publications, dude, at that point, Janae Barrett is the most underrated defensive player in the conference at that point. Like, I don't think there's any question. Like, what do you have last year? Was it 10 and a half tackles for loss that he had last year? It's yeah. just some absurd number. I think he had three and a half in the TCU game alone because he was just blowing up screens. And that nickel position, it's one of those pressure point positions on defense. Texas calls it the star position, but it's one of those pressure point positions on defense where you better have a difference maker at that position. I just think we've seen him play corner. He's got ball skills. He's a good blitzer. He's a good tackler. He can cover guys. I just think for everything he does, Jade Barron, if this is where the rest of the country thinks, if this is what the rest of the country thinks about Jade Barron, he's the most underrated defensive player in the Big 12 Bar none. He was incredible last year. I think he was the best DB on the team last year. That that's a hot take. Then I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the feedback on it. But I thought he was huge in the defense last year. I thought he was the most consistent player last year. And the there you go. Coming that's back. that's the thing. The most consistent. He's the most consistent guy in that secondary. Ryan Watts, I think, would be probably for me be second. Ryan Watts and Anthony Cook were both up yeah. there, but I think in terms of a guy that made splash plays on a consistent basis, no question it was Jade Barron. There hasn't been a lot of guys in the past few years where you can like you can count on them every game where you're not worried about this position or that position. I thought I thought that Barron was that guy last year, and even Ryan Watts. I think Ryan Watts played really well. And going into this year, now there's there's a couple guys where you think you can lean on, right? Watts, Gavin Holmes, Barron, and hopefully if uh, the if Jalen Catalan can stay healthy, that's another guy where you look at the defense and you're like, okay, I think there's something we can work with here. Whereas the last few springs, you know, it's like, okay, we still have a question mark here, here, here. Yes, they they could be good. What's the ceiling of this team? But there's also I think the floor for this year's team is a lot. Higher than it has yeah. been the last few years. I don't I know agree. If you agree with that. I agree. I think the floor. I think the floor is eight wins in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, if they if they if this team went seven and five, that would be a gross disappointment. Yeah. I think the floor is, and when I my 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 and how I interpret floor is, man, what is the what is the bare minimum of wins you can see this team getting to still have some redeeming quality of your season? I think it's eight. And the schedule is pretty favorable, I think. Yeah. Uh, DraftKings over-under for Texas this year is 9.5. If you were a betting man, Jeff. Gosh, man. You know, I I would probably go under because I'm thinking right at 9. Because, again, like I've talked about, my theme for 2023 is going to be, and it goes to this point that Stoner suggested uh, on the Specs text line. Said, 
We decided we like Sark as a play caller, question mark. I'm not in that boat. I think that's a top three weakness on our team. What's the proof otherwise? I think play calling goes into game management, and I think that's where Sark has to grow. We've talked about that, right? Can can he give you the kind of schematic advantage? Can he give you the sideline advantage that you need to those four or five, you know, one possession, one score games that you're going to play this year because you play those every year, especially in this league? Can he give you the advantage to get you over the top more often than not? It's not to say you're going to win all your close games, but if you play four of them, can you go three and one in those games? Yeah, if you can do that, then your coach probably gave you a schematic advantage. And depending on what happens in Tuscaloosa, you're you know you're ten and two, and you're probably at that point playing for a conference championship in Arlington in early December. Uh, but that's the thing for me. So I would I would kind of take Stoner's point and what what you were talking about, Cam. That's where Sark has to grow. It's the game management aspect. It's you know th- that's why I asked him what I did. The growth for him of being the head coach and being the play caller on offense. You know, when you're just the offensive coordinator, you can be tunnel vision. You can be focused. Man, when you're the head coach, you can be. You got to be cognizant of everything going on around you. But I think that's why Sark said getting a better feel for PK, getting a better feel for Jeff Banks, PK getting a better feel for his staff, being able to play complementary football. They were able to do that at times last year where they tried in vain to do it in 2021, and it was it was almost counterproductive. Not almost, it was counterproductive to do it in 2021. They got closer to that last year, but that's another area where they've got to grow. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Removing uh, Alabama and Oklahoma, what is the toughest game on the Texas schedule? Is it at Iowa State in what, what did, November? Give me, the, give me the date on that. November 18th. That's the second-to-last game before the Tech game which is the, the Friday before Thanksgiving home game. Man, I, I would say so. Or I guess maybe TCU the week before, but I'm pretty sure TCU's entire football roster plays from SMU now. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I, you know, I would say the Iowa State game, just from the standpoint of it's in mid to late November. Tough to win there. It, it, it could could have, you know, it could be mid-50s and sunny, mm-hmm. or it could be... They're all wearing their black uniforms. It could be in the teens and there's, you know, snow on the ground. I, I don't know. It just, who knows what the weather's going to do. And then it's Matt Campbell. I mean, Matt you, you, Matt Campbell's one of those guys that plays in a ton of one-score games, and some of them go his way, some of them don't. They're, they're in just about every game. I mean, you you know, you got to look really study at Iowa, Iowa State by the year results to find games where they really haven't been in the ball game, especially at home. I can think of one year they got blown out by Oklahoma State, and maybe there's a couple in there that I'm forgetting. But you go to Jack Trice Stadium in November, everybody that follows this league knows that's not an easy game to go in there and win. It could be 7-6 like first quarter. Holly Rose on the sideline didn't report about how Hunter Deckers hated Texas growing up and how he wanted to beat him so bad. I, I could see that happening for sure. And Yeah, and, and it's one of those – man, that's kind of an underrated crowd environment too. I really think it's underrated. I think it's the toughest to, to plan, right? Well, Outside of I, Oklahoma State. Because nobody talks about Ames though, Cam. Yeah. Like when you when you say when you say rattle off the best environments, right, in the conference, like the toughest places to play. We don't know about Norman. I'll never know about Norman because yeah. we don't go there. But the two that immediately pop up are Lubbock and Stillwater. Yeah. Which they are tough, especially when those fan bases are in you know, we've seen it you know, in my time on the beat, uh Oklahoma State fans have been invested more years than Texas Tech fans have been invested. But, you know, like last year, when that crowd was into it, man, even though it was the middle of the day, that play, it can be an intimidating place to play. You don't think of Ames and Iowa State being like that, but I've man, I've been to Ames for night games, and it's it, it gets loud. That crowd gets into it. It's I mean, it's a 
fifty, like right around fifty thousand seat stadium. It can get it can get pretty raucous in there. And Texas hasn't won there in quite a bit because you had the uh, fourth and goal Sam Ellinger touchdown pass, which is one of the, his one of the most underrated Sam Ellinger oh, touch yeah, passes yeah. in his career, and then end up losing on the field goal to lose that game. But before that. I don't think Texas has won in Ames in 2017. I think was probably it. the last time. Yeah, because 19 was the game you're talking about. Uh, 2021 was the uh, that was the night of the Bo Davis. Uh, yeah, uh, bus Rant. incident. Yeah, if you want to call it that, the Bo Davis bus deal. Uh, man, I didn't even realize we're up against the clock. We got to go, but yeah, that's just a little Texas football talk here on a Tuesday. We'll be back after this to wrap it up here on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right, quick programming note for tomorrow. It'll be Craig and Cameron for the first hour, Cameron and Chad for the second hour, leading you up to Texas and Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. 12.15 will be our airtime, 12.30 tentative pregame for the Longhorns and the Jayhawks from Globe Life Field in Arlington. Cam, thanks for everything today, man. Great job. Yes, sir. For Craig Way, for Cameron Parker, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.